0: Hi, I'm Leanne, and I want to welcome you to How to Pray. I'm glad you've chosen to listen today. This is the second in a seven-episode series with a new episode dropping each Sunday. Today, we're going to look at the role of adoration in prayer. And straight off, I'm going to tell you, I have a hard time saying the word adoration. It just doesn't want to roll off my tongue. So I've searched for a different word, one I can actually pronounce but I keep coming back to adoration. To me, it speaks to the way we feel when we're in the presence of someone we're in awe of, but also have a loving, intimate relationship with. This is what I hope we experience when we think of God. That said, it's entirely possible we don't. Our understanding about who God is can be complicated, difficult even. A lot depends on the influences we've been exposed to. The stories we've been told about God, the way God has been represented by significant people in our lives—our parents, our teachers, preachers, politicians. And while it's natural to be influenced by our life experiences, it isn't entirely helpful. Even at their very best, people fail to adequately exemplify who God is, what God cares about, how God does justice. And since it's hard to adore someone we don't really know, I suggest we spend some time getting to know God through the words of Jesus. After all, as Christians, we believe Jesus is the personification of God. So if something matters to Jesus, it matters to God, and vice versa. Reading through the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament is a good way to get to know Jesus and the kinds of things he said and did during his years of earthly ministry. The Psalms are another place to look for clues about what makes God worthy of adoration. As you search the Bible in this way, you'll see God described as holy and righteous, which refer to the things that make God different from us. While we're created in God's image, we're all a bit broken. The better we get to know God, the more we realize that none of us live up to the standard set by God and lived out by Jesus. This is true of all of us, even the very best of us. There are two illustrations in the Bible that teach us about this, both of which refer to parental love, which, at its very best, is probably the closest we get to perfect love in the human sense. In the Old Testament, there's a passage that poses this scenario. Imagine a mother nursing her newborn baby at her breast, forgetting about her baby. Well, even if that were possible, don't worry. God will never forget about you. It's a great example because it's almost impossible to imagine a new mother who is tenderly nursing her baby, forgetting the baby, and wandering off to do other things. But even if this were to happen, as unlikely as it is, God is incapable of forgetting about us. In fact, the passage goes on to say, God has engraved us on the palms of God's hands. That's how much we're loved by God. In the New Testament, Jesus asks the question, Would a father, when his son asks for a fish, give him a snake? Or if his son asks for an egg, hand him a scorpion? I can just imagine the crowd Jesus was teaching answering back with a resounding, no, to which Jesus replies, well then, if you, who often fail to get it right, can respond with goodness, how much more will God give you what you need? In other words, even in our brokenness, God loves us more, much more, than that mother loves her baby and that Father loves his Son. And it's this inability to do or be any kind of wrong that makes God different from us. This is what holiness and righteousness refer to. God's perfect love, perfect justice, perfect authority, perfect faithfulness, perfect forgiveness, perfect power, and so on. So when we use adoration in prayer, it's simply us speaking back to God, what makes God worthy of our adoration. Scripture can help us with this, as can music written for this purpose, or we can simply use our own words. God, you are loving. God, you comfort me. God, you are dependable. God, you are all-powerful. God, you created nature, and it's amazing. God, you brought kindred into my life, and it means so much to me. God, you healed my broken heart. We're not asking God for anything. We're not thanking God for anything. We're simply acknowledging to God that we know who God is. We're saying, I see you, God, The amazing thing about beginning our prayers this way is that it changes what happens next. We're less intimidated to enter into reconciliation or lament because we've already established that God is loving, patient, and forgiving. We're naturally going to want to offer prayers of thanksgiving because we've just reminded ourselves that God is beyond wonderful and does wonderful things all the time. And we're more likely to pray for ourselves and other people because we've already acknowledged that God is merciful, resourceful, and powerful. So this week's homework is twofold. First, spend some time in the Gospels finding out who God is by reading about the life of Jesus. And check out some of the psalms and songs I've included in the resource list that model adoration of God. Secondly, spend some time each day in adoration of God. Try speaking both in general terms like, God, you created the universe. And in personal terms like, God, you guided me to my appointment, so I was on time. As you speak the words, imagine you're sitting with God, sharing these things as you would with someone you truly adore and pay attention to the effect this has on your understanding of who God is. Next time, we'll talk about reconciliation. For more information about Kindred Church, check out our website, kindrednc.church. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.